Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, The Trouble Is. Here's Pastor Nick. morning. Welcome to Whitefields. We're glad that you're here this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. You know, I think that you need to know that uh, we appreciate you, we value you, and we know that there's a lot that you do that goes unseen. And so it goes unthanked. And we want to encourage you. We want to encourage you that it's not in vain and that it, it doesn't go unseen because God sees everything that you do and he sees what you do for your kids and those things that, that don't get it always acknowledged. And so we want you to know that you're making a difference and we honor you today. So if you would please open with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. That's where we'll be studying this morning. Gospel of John chapter 3. Gospel of John chapter 3. And we'll begin by reading our text, which comes from some various verses in this chapter. Starting in verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who comes from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for its message to us, Lord, for this good news of the gospel, the good news of what you, Jesus, have done in time and history in order to save us. And Lord, this morning, as we consider this text, as we consider our topic, Lord, we pray that truly what would come out of this is a greater appreciation of your love for us, Lord, of your truth, and of the joy that we find in you because of what you've done for us. Lord, I pray that you would build in us a faith which isn't just optimism, a faith which isn't just an assent to serve certain beliefs, but Lord, a faith that, that is real and that translates into actions. And Lord, we pray that you would do this good work this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have been, for the past couple weeks, in a series called The Trouble Is. And in this series, what we've done is we've taken six weeks to address some of the toughest questions and the biggest issues that people have in regard to Christianity. And the way that we began this is that we put out a poll online, and we asked everybody we knew to share it. And we asked people in this poll, you know, what are the biggest hurdles for you when it comes to embracing Christianity? What are the things that create the biggest hurdles? What are the biggest difficulties to get over when it comes to embracing Christianity? And so in this series, we're addressing those things which people said, you know, this is what makes it hard for me. These are the real issues that I'm dealing with and struggling with when it comes to believing in Jesus or embracing Christianity. And our hope through this series is that we can hopefully remove some of those things that people have considered barriers or hurdles in the past and show that they're actually not hurdles or we can help you get over them so that people can put their faith confidently in Jesus. Just a quick 
run through for the schedule. So far, we have looked at the subjects of the Bible. That was our first subject. The Bible, can you actually trust it? Has it been changed? Is it really trustworthy? And then we looked at hypocrisy for the people who say, well, it isn't that I don't know what Christianity teaches. It's just that I know some Christians, and I wonder if Christianity creates these kinds of people, then is it really a good thing? Next, we look at science. Does, does science bury God? Does science bury the claims of the Bible? So we looked at that. And then we looked at the Christ myth, that idea that Christianity basically plagiarized or ripped off or stole all of its ideas from other religions and existing myths. Last week, we looked at the issue of evil and suffering. Some people say, how can God be good if he allows evil and suffering in the world? And so we address that topic. And I just want to encourage you, if you missed any of those messages, they're all available on our website for free, whitefieldschurch.com. You can go on there, you can download them, you can listen to them, and you can share them with other people because maybe one of these things isn't a particular issue for you, but you know somebody for whom it is. And so we encourage you to go on there, share these messages, get them out there for people who might benefit from them. Next Sunday, we're beginning a new series. You one of the things we love to do here at Whitefields is study through books of the Bible. And so we were doing that before. We took a break for this series, and we're going to start again next week with our study of the book of Romans, which is called Saving Grace. It's a study of Paul's letter to the Romans. But today we're wrapping up the Trouble Is series by looking at kind of the final issue, which is the issue of exclusivity and hell. This is a topic that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. They struggle with it. Even a lot of Christians are uncomfortable with this topic. People ask the question, you know, there are a lot of uh, religions in this world. How can Christianity claim to be the one and only way? And, and how could a good God send people to hell forever? Is he really good if he does that? And it, does that even make any sense? Today we're going to talk about these questions and, and more, and we're going to see what Jesus had to say, and we're going to see if we can make sense of some of these things and find a way forward to these questions that we and other people have on these topics. So let's uh, do that. I want to begin by talking about the theology of Ricky Bobby. Do you guys know who Ricky Bobby is? Talladega Nights. He's a NASCAR driver. He doesn't really exist. It's just a, it's a movie. So several years ago, there was this movie that came out called Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. It's just a, it's a dumb comedy movie. Uh, I don't recommend it. It's a complete waste of your time, okay? It's a, about a professional race car driver. But I watched it on an airplane. I used to travel a lot to Europe and back. And so I would sit on these airplanes. And what I love about airplanes, I love several things. I love having to sit in one place for 12 hours because I'm like so uh, scatterbrained, right, that it helps me to sit in one place for 12 hours. The other thing I like is I love the food. I know that people don't think that's that anybody does, but I really like airplane food. Like I'm that guy who sits next to you on the airplane and I ask you if I can finish your food. I actually did that on a recent flight I took. But here's the other thing I like about flights, these long flights, is the movies. Because the thing about the movies on these airplanes is that they're edited down. They cut out all the questionable stuff because they don't know if children are going to be watching them and all that. So you get these movies that start out and they're, it's like a three-hour movie, but by the time you're done, it's like 37 minutes. And half the plot doesn't make any sense because they had to cut out some really important parts, but you can get through a lot of movies really quickly. So anyway, I saw an edited version of this movie, which was funny because then I got home to Hungary uh, after I had taken this trip and I told my wife, I said, hey, you got to see this movie. It's funny. And we watched it and she was horrified. She's like, why are you making me watch this movie? It's full of profanity and all kinds of lewdness. And I'm like, not the version I I saw. The version I saw was 26 minutes long and it didn't have any of that stuff in it. But here's the thing I want to tell you. Okay. 
in, in, in this movie, Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights, right? The main character, he's this NASCAR driver. And, uh, and at one point, he, he's in a race and he crashes his car and he thinks that he's on fire. And so he gets out of his car and he takes off his suit and he's running around the track in his underwear. And what does he say? Here's what he says. He says, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jewish God. Help me, Allah. Help me, Tom Cruise. Use your witchcraft to get the fire off of me. Help me, Oprah Winfrey. And I just want to say, like, as silly as that is, it's actually a pretty decent social commentary because what he's speaking of, that's like an actual theology that people commonly have. And so I call it the theology of Ricky Bobby, but you might also call it inclusivism. Okay, inclusivism is Ricky Bobby's theology and it's held by many people in our society. And it basically says this, there are a lot of good religions in the world. There are a lot of religions out there and no one religion is any better than any other religion. They're all just different paths that lead to the same destination. We're all just climbing climbing up the same proverbial mountain. We're just taking different routes, and in the end, we're all going to end up at the same destination. Another example that's often used to illustrate this is they'll say, it's like this. It's an Indian proverb that says this. It explains all the different religions in the world by saying this. Imagine if there were three blind people, and these three blind people had never seen an elephant before. And so you put them in a room with an elephant. You said, okay, I want you guys to feel this elephant and then tell me what it feels like. And so elephants are really big animal, too big for just one person to feel the whole elephant. So the, the one guy feels the elephant's leg. And so he, he says, well, an elephant is like a tree. It's round and it's solid and it's thick like a tree. And so that's what an elephant is. It's like a tree, tall and round. Another guy feels the elephant's trunk. And you, you ask him, well, what's an elephant like? And he says, well, an elephant's just like a snake. It's long and it's skinny. And, and then the third guy feels the elephant's ear. And he says, well, an elephant is thin and dry like a piece of paper. And then the conclusion they make is, well, none of these people are actually wrong. They're all right in a way. They just have a piece of the truth, but none of them have all of the truth. And that's what all religions are like. They're all human attempts to try and figure out something really big, blindly trying to figure out who God is. And in their attempts to do so, they get a few things right, but they don't get the whole picture. Nobody has the whole picture. And, and so when you see, for example, like these coexist bumper stickers on cars, a lot of times that's what these people believe. Basically this, all religions are equally valid. They're all equally true. They're just different people's attempts to make sense of the world and connect with the higher powers. So you can't just say that one is right. You can't say that one is right or any of them are wrong because that leads to all kinds of problems. To try and put uh, all religions in, in one bucket and basically say, you know, they're all equal. So whereas atheists say all religions are false, inclusivists go to the other extreme and they say all religions are true. But what they're both saying is, they're all equal. They're all equal. And this viewpoint is very prevalent in the world today. Just a few quotes for you. There's uh, one rabbi, Shmuley Botik. He says, I am absolutely against any religion that says one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is anything different than spiritual racism. Mahatma Gandhi said this. He said, my position is that all great religions are fundamentally equal. And then the great theologian Oprah Winfrey said, one of the biggest mistakes that humans make is to believe there's only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths to God. And yet in contrast, to that, we have Jesus Christ who says, as we read in our text today, there's only one way to go to heaven, and it's by believing in him, and that if anyone doesn't believe in him, then they will be condemned. He actually uses that word condemned. In another place, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There's another place in the Bible where the apostles are speaking about Jesus and they say, there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. 
So clearly, this is what the Bible teaches, uh, even though it goes against the grain of what is popular in our society today, right? So the Bible clearly teaches this fact. This is what we have to deal with. The Bible teaches that there is one way to connect with the God of the universe, and that is through Jesus. And that is an exclusive claim. Are you looking for a resource to help you answer some of the most difficult questions about God in the Bible? Then we've got good news for you. Pastor Nick has written a book called The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity. In this book, Pastor Nick deals directly with some of the biggest questions people struggle with, such as how a loving God can allow innocent people to suffer, whether God condoned genocide in the Old Testament, or whether the Bible encourages the suppression of women and minorities. Does the Bible really say that some kinds of love are wrong? And is there any actual proof that God exists or that the Bible is trustworthy? Pastor Nick addresses these topics and more in this book, which is a great resource for anyone who wrestles with doubts or has concerns about these topics. And it is a great resource for those who want to help others who have questions about these topics. So to purchase this book, search for The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Christianity, wherever books are sold or visit nickkady.org. To celebrate the release of this book, we are offering a free copy of the book as our gift to any of our listeners who make a donation of any amount to support Beset Free Radio at besetfreeradio.com. And now, back to today's message. And apparently Jesus did not get the memo that you're not allowed to do that, right? He was not being very politically correct. He's offending all of our modern sensibilities. And, but this is something we have to deal with. We either take Jesus at his word or we have to come up with a different solution. But if we're going to take Jesus at his word, this is what he said. If you say that there's only one way, then by default, and this is the problem people have with this, that by default, what you are saying is that other people are, are wrong. And that in our modern culture is the ultimate, it's the cardinal sin to say that somebody else is wrong. You can't do that. And so we have this desire, right? We do. And I think it's actually, it comes from a very good place. We have this desire that says, hey, why can't everybody just be right? Like, why can't, why can't we just say that everybody's going to heaven? Because that feels really good. It feels really good to say that, that that's the case. It does not feel good to say that, that some people are wrong and that not everybody's going to heaven. I don't like saying that. You probably don't either. It doesn't feel good. And yet that is what Jesus taught. And so our first pushback in this dialogue, for those of you who struggle with this issue of exclusivity in hell, this is the first pushback that you have to, to address is this, that just because something doesn't feel good doesn't mean it isn't true. And I, and I say that as a person who, who sympathizes with you in this, is just because something doesn't feel good doesn't mean that it isn't true, right? There are a lot of things in this life that, that I wish weren't true, but they are. They don't feel good, and yet they're true. But here's the thing. You can't just go through life saying, I'm only going to believe the things that make me feel good. You can't do that. There are many things in this life that are right and true, but they don't necessarily feel very good. So for example, I would like to believe that I can just eat whatever I want and never exercise and that I will never gain weight. But the fact is that's not true as much as I don't like it. I might believe that I can just buy whatever I want and never have to worry about money. But the fact is that that's not true. If you're a boss, you know what this is like. Sometimes the right thing to do is to let somebody go, but it never feels good. And yet sometimes it's the right thing to do. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. What is right and true trumps what I feel in the end. And, and so that's our first pushback that we have to tell ourselves. Look, just because something doesn't feel good, that doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean it's not right. And so the next question is, well, can't we all just get along? Can't we all just coexist? And my answer to that is, 
Of course we can. Yes, absolutely. See, there's a difference between cultural pluralism, which is that people of different religions, ethnicities can live side by side. They could be friends. They could be neighbors. They could be coworkers. We can get along and we can, we can be nice and like each other and even love each other. But here's the thing. There's a difference between cultural pluralism and metaphysical pluralism. Metaphysical pluralism is when you go beyond saying, I respect your culture to saying, what you believe is true, right? So when it comes to coexisting or tolerating other people's beliefs, we absolutely should do that. In fact, we shouldn't only tolerate people's beliefs, but we should fight for their right to believe what they believe, to express themselves as they choose to. So we fight for their freedom, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to then take the step of affirming that what they believe is true no matter what it is. So one person put it this way. I thought this was pretty apt. He said, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with somebody, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you have to agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. So tolerance and coexisting are absolutely things that we promote as Christians and ideas. And we, but we don't take the next step to say that all convictions and ideas and worldviews are true. And here's why. Because not all beliefs can be true, because they, especially when they fundamentally contradict each other. So in order to say that all beliefs are true, you actually have to change those beliefs. And so let's talk about that. And that brings our next point. Every belief is exclusive, even inclusivism. Okay, every belief is exclusive, even exclusivism. So Christianity, by the way, is not alone in, in making exclusive claims. So first of all, uh, let's look at a few other religions. Islam is an exclusivist religion. It says there is one God and Muhammad is his prophet and there is a heaven and a hell. And the only way to go to heaven and not go to hell is by converting to Islam and following its five pillars. It's an exclusive religion. Next is Buddhism. A lot of people don't think about it this way, but Buddhism is an exclusive religion. Here's the origin of Buddhism. Buddhism began when Siddhartha Siddhartha Gautama, who's called the Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama, he was born a Hindu in India, and Buddhism began because he rejected Hinduism. He said it's not true, and he rejected the Vedas, which are the uh, holy Hindu scriptures, and he rejected the Hindu sacrificial system, and he said that none of these things lead a person to nirvana, but that he knew the one and only way to attain nirvana. In other words, uh, that's an exclusive claim. He's saying these people are not right, and this is right. So Sikhism rejected both Buddhism and Hinduism. So again, exclusive. Atheism is exclusive. It rejects all religions. And it says that they're all false. And it's actually impossible to find a worldview which is not exclusive. Even inclusivism, as much as it tries to not be exclusive, in not being exclusive, it's actually being exclusive. Let me explain. Here's the irony. You know, by, by being inclusivist, you actually become exclusivist. Because if you look at the words of Jesus, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And an inclusivist person would say, no, that's not true. At that point, they've just made an exclusive claim. When they say, no, that's not true, there are many different paths to God. They're making an exclusive claim. And anyone who doesn't agree with them, they say that they are wrong. So what my point is this. Every belief is exclusive by nature. The only way to not be exclusive is to not believe anything. And so every belief is exclusive by nature. And so we, we have to move on past our initial hesitation about making exclusive claims. And we have to ask the question, okay, since all beliefs are inherently exclusive, then which of those exclusive beliefs are true? 
So at that point, we're actually dealing with the, with the real issue, which ones are true. And there are two issues that we have to deal with as to why they can't all be true. So number one is there's a logical impossibility. And number two, it's an intellectual condescension. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. So logical impossibility. If different religions teach things that, that not only are different, but actually contradict each other, then they can't all be true at the same time, right? So different religions teach different things about God, about heaven, about hell, and therefore they can't all be true. It, for example, if I tell you that I'm wearing socks and you say, no, you're not wearing socks, well, one of us is right, right? And we, we're not both right. And so that's the intellectual uh, impossibility of that. But the second one is, is one I think doesn't get a lot of press. It doesn't get thought about enough. And that is this. It is intellectual condescension. Let me explain what I mean. Here's the irony, because in, in the attempt to not be judgmental and not offend anyone, the modern view of inclusivism actually is the most judgmental and most offensive. Let me, let me explain. Because it looks at all religions and says, you're all wrong, but you think you're right. And I kind of patronizingly pat you on the head and say, it's cute that you think that, but you're all wrong. And I am the one who is going to tell you which part of your beliefs are true and which parts are not true. Therefore, the person is saying, I sit in judgment over all religions. So I mentioned to you earlier, you can't say all beliefs are true without changing those beliefs. So remember that story about the three blind guys and the elephant? Like at first, that seems like a really nice story, right? It's, that's a great story because we're, we're saying, hey, every, nobody's wrong, everybody's right. Let me explain to you why that's actually a very condescending and offensive story. And, and here's why. Because it's told from the perspective of a person who claims to actually have the whole picture, who claims to not be blind and who claims to actually see things for how they are. So it's told from the perspective of a person who isn't blind and who can actually see the whole picture. And they say, I have the whole truth. All you other guys out there are just blindly trying to figure it out. That's incredibly condescending because again, what you're saying is that you're the only one who sees things clearly, who can see that the, what an elephant is really like and everyone else is just blind and trying to figure it out and they might get some parts right, but you're the only one who gets the whole picture. And so you patronizingly, you know, pat people on the head and say, oh, that's cute. You think the elephant is like a tree or like a snake. That's adorable. The, the only way you can claim that all religions are true is if you actually take parts out that contradict other religions. So for example, then you find yourself in this place of telling people, well, some of the things that you believe about your religion are accurate, but I'm going to tell you why you don't actually understand your religion or why those parts of your religion are not true, but these parts are true. In other words, again, you're making yourself the judge and arbiter of other people's beliefs. Again, that's not honoring to people. That's not respectful to people. And, and so in an attempt to not be judgmental or offensive, you end up becoming actually more judgmental and more offensive. And I would say that the most rational and respectful way to deal with other people's beliefs is to just look them square in the face, take them at face value, and just admit the fact that either they're true or they're not true. And what we believe, either it's true or it's not. Islam, if Islam is true, then Christianity is not true. We have to own that. That's a, the chance we're taking, I guess, right? And, and we 
that's why we look at the facts and we want to know, okay, what is the truth? Where does the evidence lead? So if Islam is true, then Christianity is not true. If Buddhism is true, Christianity is not true. We have to have the integrity to admit that fact. We can't both be right. We believe very different things. And so is Buddhism true or not? Is atheism true or not? Is Christianity true or not? This is actually more honoring to those people and their viewpoints to actually take them at face value and, and deal with them on that level. And then we're really talking about what actually matters, which is the truth. And so in our text today, we have an incident in which a man came to Jesus seeking truth. And Jesus gave him some real answers, and either they were true or they weren't. But either way, this man couldn't remain on the fence about Jesus. And as we look at these words ourselves, the same is true for us. We, if we take these words as they are, we cannot stay on the fence about Jesus. So we read in our text this morning, this man's name was Nicodemus, and he was a Pharisee. Now, whenever, for many of us, when we hear that word Pharisee, it's, it's kind of automatically built into us, right? Like those melodrama plays where the bad guy comes on the stage wearing the black hat, and we all say, boo, right? So we see Nicodemus came and he was a Pharisee and we're like, boo, we know that those are the bad guys because we know Jesus had a lot of conflicts with them. But here's what I want you to understand is that people at that time didn't think that way about Pharisees. They really liked Pharisees. Pharisees were like the rock stars of Judaism. If you saw a Pharisee in the airport, you'd ask him to sign your t-shirt and you'd ask him to sign your dreidel. And if you were a teenager, you'd have posters of Pharisees in your, hanging in your bedroom. And they were the elite group. They were, it was hard to get in. They were limited in number and they were like spiritual athletes and they went above and beyond all of the requirements of Judaism and people looked up to them. And for some of these Pharisees, that became a source of pride and, and self-righteousness. But for other Pharisees, their hearts actually were in the right place. And this guy, Nicodemus, if you follow his story through the Bible, that's what it seems like. He's a guy who, he was a Pharisee, but his heart was in the right place. He loved the Lord and just really wanted to know God. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road, and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com. Thank you.